know, it's funny because for some reason, every time I go up here, it's never, <laughs> I, I'm always nervous, you know. But, like, it, always, it, it was cool because, like, God just gave me a remi uh, reminder, you know, even though, like, it, it's funny that I'm, I'm coming to this position of actually being a pastor when uh, I get social anxiety and it's hard for me to talk in front of people sometimes. So I'm just like, Lord, Lord you just, you choose, you know, the craziest people to do the craziest things. But, like, it, and he's, like, reminding me, it's, like, going into the message I had today, like, even though I had to have the fear sometimes of speaking in front of people for the fact that, you know, I, like, judgment, whatever it is, my insecurities or whatnot, I'm able to make myself available for him, you know, step outside of myself to be able to say, Lord, I am willing to be used by you. Because I know that what you have in store is not just, not for my greater, or the greater of my good, but for the people that you want me to speak to, Father. And it really helps me to say, okay, I can have enough confidence just to walk out in faith and say that you're going to provide the message that I need, which is really, really awesome. So let me start. So I got a couple stories that I think will really, uh, you know, I, I like to use examples. I'm a simple man with a simple message. You know, I'm not really articulate like uh, a lot of people are well-educated in the biblical studies. You know, I'm, I'm not Fallon Schultz. I, I can't really, <laughs> I can't really get down like that. I'm not that, that, uh, that broad with knowledge and wisdom. That man's got some, some great wisdom. If you ever heard him speak, he's amazing. Yep, true, true. I am still, I'm still in my youth, I should say. But I got a lot of experience to gain. But what I do have, I give freely to you guys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I remember one day, like, and this goes into, like, oh, what I'm talking about. It's like one day we were, me and my friend, like, we were going to uh, the folk festival. And, like, I remember everything that was going on that day. It was, like, like the sights, the sounds. It was, like, it, it's something that I enjoy is, like, music. So when, it, when I heard there was, like, a folk festival coming to Salisbury, I was like, man, I'm, I'm definitely there. And, you know, just walking through the crowds and everything, just, like, having a normal day, having normal conversations, you know, not really thinking about uh, anything, like, spiritual, whatnot, just, like, having fun, you know, with a friend of mine. And uh, it, it came to this point to where uh, I remember walking down uh, this place on Market Street, and there was this guy standing in this cutout. And, like, I... I I seen him, and, you know, he definitely looked down on his luck, and, and he, uh, like, from looking at him, you could tell that he was, you know, homeless. And I was like, okay. I walked by him, and then something hit me in my spirit, and then I, I felt God was saying, like, go pray for him. And, like, me and my anxiety, I'm like, I don't really like talking to random people. Like, I don't know if I can just stop and just, like, go up to someone and ask if I can pray for him. But, like, I remember just kept on walking farther down, and he was like, I want you to stop, and I want you to go pray for this person. And I'm like, all right. The person I was with, you know, they were, you know, they knew who Jesus was, but they weren't, like, uh, immensely spiritual or someone that's, you know, completely evangelistic. And they, But this was, like, part of the, uh, the heart that God was working inside of me, the heart of evangelist, and what a lot of people claim that I have. Like, I'm still, I'm still trying to see it as well. But, like, I, I feel it, and I, and I understand it more and more every day. But, like, I, I was like, all right. So I go over, and I start praying for him. Like, I asked him, I was like, this is weird, but I feel like God wants me to pray for you. 
And, you know, I didn't know what his response was going to be. I didn't know if he was going to say, yeah, I don't, it's like, I don't want that. But he was like, he was grateful that I had took the time to actually notice him. And, I mean, I prayed for him. You know, I don't really mu remember much of the prayer because I was still nervous as I did pray. But, you know, I remember the time where I said yes to God, even in that smallest moment. I don't know where the guy is today. I don't know if the prayer, like, really changed his life. You know, I can't really give, like, some type of miracle answer for that. But I would like to think that by me going up to him, God's going to provide the rest. And he's going to do what he needs to do in that man's life to be able to change him and turn him around. Or even if he's in the right place where he's supposed to be at the time. And maybe it's just something of encouragement that he needed. I feel like God was going to, like, as long as I did and would make myself available to what God wanted me to do, that he's going to provide the rest for it. But, like, even so, it was, like, me being able to uh, be willing to be used by God and moving into that aspect and saying, yes, God, I, I'm going to pray for you is something more powerful than me just walking by and saying, like, oh, I'll pray for him later at home. <laughs> like, I felt like the, uh, just the impact of me saying yes, and it's nothing in me. Don't, don't get me wrong. Hear my heart. This is all, this is all Jesus. Anything that I, I talk about, like, I give all the glory to God for and just the ability to be able to move forward in his, uh, his calling. You know, and I, I believe it was more powerful just for me to go up and pray for him and just like and say yes to God than if it was, you know, if I were to ignore him. So I ask, like, when God calls you to make yourself available to be used by him, do you say yes when he calls you to something greater? Or do you keep denying and walking away because you don't believe in yourself? And a lot of times I see in my life to where he calls me to do something, I say no only for the fact because I don't have that self-confidence to say yes, God. And if you're anything like me, which is a human, then you probably have the same type of condition to where either you're afraid or you don't, you're still trying to figure out your identity. And that's one of the biggest things I think is what's going to settle us into being able to move forward and say yes to God more and more often is to uh, understand the identity that we hold. And, like, the more that I truly start to identify who I am, the more that I'm able to step out and be able to reach people beyond myself, people that I never thought I'd be able to touch, people that I never thought that I'd be able to give hope and encouragement to. And it's the same thing with you guys. When we step past ourselves and get past that point and Way, yeah, but that power that comes forth to create waves that changes people. We can see two examples in scripture of how uh, we can answer that call and be available when we don't answer and decide, or when we do answer and when we don't answer uh, and not be available. But here's another example that I that you could probably relate to coming from my aspect. And this is funny because I was sitting at work one morning. And I was just like thinking about something that, you know, I'm not too proud of. And it's a, a judgmental spirit of somebody else that I work with. And I remember sitting there and God convicted me and saying, you talk about this person, but you don't make yourself available to help them 
to get them, uh, to help them get to a place to where they can change and be better. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm sorry. And I felt so bad because I'm like, Lord, you called me to be someone that brings potential out of people. But I'm sitting here judging someone that has not tapped into their own potential. And I'm sitting here judging them for not being able to uh, do a job correctly when all they need is some guidance and help. And that hurt. That hurt. I was like, what am I doing? It's like, am I making myself available for other people that need uh, that guidance? And I, and I can answer truthfully right now, no, I wasn't. But at work, we have many different people, some who've been there longer, some that, uh, and others who are new, some who know what's what, and some who don't really know anything at all. But that's because they're new again. Uh, but it came to me the other day when I was making a mistake of being judgmental and critical towards the, uh, the work ethic of one of the newer coworkers. I mean, how many times, honestly, can you guys say that? Like if someone new comes on and it's like they're just not performing to your standard or expectation, it's like, oh, gosh, this guy's just, you know, he's never going to get it. It's like can't even use a shovel right. And you're just like, oh, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally, it's, it's just a second nature sometimes. Um, I have the standard of how I work. And it's funny because, like, going into this job, I, I see myself, like, excelling in different areas and I'm not putting praise upon myself it's just the ability of what God has given me and the type of ethic he's he's provided for me um and that goes into helping people or using to help people with it too but I'm still learning that but this co-worker's job is to tear down motorcycles every day to make sure other area of production has plenty of work the co-worker now isn't the best uh and isn't the fastest, and isn't very uh, mechanically inclined. So how we got the job doing this, I'm really not sure. <laughs> so some of the other coworkers grumble and complain uh, often of this coworker, and I'm guilty of it too. But like I was saying, one morning the Lord spoke to me, and I instantly got convicted. He said, you speak down on him, but yet you don't do anything to build them up. You don't offer help or bring their potential out. And I was saying it brought me back to this this is time where he, he was saying, like, I want you to bring the best out of people. It seemed that at that moment I have failed, but God. He didn't just call upon me to leave it at that. No, he made it a point to get, in, uh, to get in touch with me. He was like, now that you understand your error, I'm not, con- I'm not condemning you. I bring this conviction to allow you to say that, you know, I want you to make a change in how you view this person. So the funny thing is, he's like, now I want you to go directly to this person and offer them your help, offer them your heart and offer them your hand. And I'm like, I'm sitting in a chair. I'm like, oh, gosh, this is like, I don't know how this person's going to take this. They're gonna like uh, probably going to get offended or something. But then again, he's like. I want you to do this. I want you to get up. I want you to go to them. And I want you to talk to them and say, like, I'm here to help you, whatever you need. Like, I'll work right beside you. So needless to say, it's up to me to uh, step into that, which I'm still doing. But it's funny because God made the path uh, direct to be able to do so. So he's actually changing areas where he works. And he's coming into the area actually where I'm stepping in to be a manager now, which is glory to God, like, I only been there two uh, two months, and he's just building me up in this place. 
but I get to work alongside this person and teach them hands-on of like the job that I, I first came in to do. So and I'm like, I'm like, God, that's, that's crazy. Like, and, but I accepted and said, yes, I'm willing to help him. But he did the rest of the work. I think, I don't think, I know the one thing that he wanted was my yes out of all of it. He wanted to know my willingness. He wanted to know that I was ready to uh, do what he said. He was, he was ready for my obedience to say, Lord, even though I am nervous and, and not very confident in myself in this, and even though I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of scared to go to this person, he was like, all I needed to know is that you were going to say yes to me, that you weren't going to think about it. You weren't going to step back and say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to this or I'm too busy with my job or I got so much else going on that I can't really put hands on with this person. He was like, no, you said yes, so I'm providing the rest of the way for you, which is so amazing because, again, it would have been hard for me to get past myself sometimes, especially in that. But I share these experiences not to set myself as a precedent on how to be available, but simply give an example of things that we might experience ourselves throughout our day. And like, there's things like, it's crazy because we do deal with stuff that, you know, uh, with busyness, with uh, our lives, like if we got children and stuff that, you know, when the call of God comes upon us or he asks us to do something, we usually come up with these excuses and say, Lord, but I have to clean the house today. Or I got to go run a bunch of errands. I got to uh, pay some bills. I got to go to the store. I got to pick my, my kids up from daycare. I got to uh, uh, focus on getting a house right now. And he's like, I, I want you to do this simple thing. He's like, can you, can you please do this for me? And, like, and all along, it's like what we don't understand is like that simple thing might unlock the doors to the stuff that you're trying to achieve. And we're going to be able to see that through one of the people's lives that I'm going to be talking about. But the good news is when we become aware of this idea of availability and actually being available, we get to see the world in a whole different heart and perspective. One of the father rather than of busyness and disassociation. I am so guilty of disassociation because I'm just trying to get through the day of work. I don't know about you. It's like I'm just focused on my job. Everything else does not matter to me. Sometimes I even uh defocus on my job and like it just becomes like a second nature and like it'd be 10 o'clock and then for some reason I look at the clock it's one o'clock and I'm like where did the time go like this is crazy but so again we can look at examples of the two people from scripture who give us a good idea of availability and not answering that call and we're going to start with one guy who just didn't want to be bothered and ultimately had to go through a whole ordeal and this guy like kicked and screamed against against everything uh, that God called him to do. I was like, can you guys guess who this is? This is Jonah. You're correct. So, if you want to open up uh, to your Bible, we're going to start in uh, Jonah chapter one, and we're going to read from verse one all the way to sixteen. But I chose him and because God put it on my heart and he said, you know, Jonah was one of the people that you can take from on, on how not to uh, do a specific thing. Like, but let me go into, I don't know how to really explain it. My words, I, I, I for some reason, I'm not good with words, you know, and like it, <laughs> I can think of really good words, very sophisticated words, but putting them together sometimes I just can't do it. It's like, whoa, good grief. How's this guy uh, up here talking? All right, so I'll give you a second to get there. (laughs) 
I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, like a skipped record sometimes. Like you'll hear one word and then come out another one after that that don't make sense. And you're just like, what's this guy talking about? But hopefully it comes across clear. And, and God's like, uh, I'm going to unjumble this for them. <laughs> All right. So starting in verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Some of, I don't know how to say that name. I'm a, Amitai, yep, we're going to go with that. See, that's another thing. Pronouncing these names in here is difficult. Okay, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because it is uh, its wickedness has come up, up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that part. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish, to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm came that uh, came the came that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell asleep, and or fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said. How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work uh, do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So stop him right there. Jonah knew who God was. He, he proclaimed him right here. So it, in his running away, he wasn't doing it saying that he didn't know God. But he ran away because of certain things that are coming up. So we're going to continue to read. He answered, I'm Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. This terrified them, and he asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do uh, to you to make the sea calm down for us? And he even said, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will, it will become calm. I know this is my fault and that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then he cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, Lord. Have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And at that, uh, at this, the men grew, uh, greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made uh, made vows to him. So we we look at Jonah here, and a bunch of things. Oh, why did I put diary of things? I sometimes typos in here just change words completely. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, now I got to figure out what this word is. <laughs> so we look at Jonah and not the diary of things. First, uh, first the verse starts off by uh, saying. That he ran away from the calling the Lord had brought to him. The first guy to be like, I think I'm just going to go over here and pretend like God never said that. 
because I feel like it'd be better. I know what I'm getting up against of trying to go to this city. Because uh, if you continue to read, he's like, all these people are bad. He's like, none of them are going to turn back to God. Nobody, None of them are, are going to believe that, you know, God's going to save them for this. And they're going to continue in their own ways. So it doesn't make sense for me to go there. It's like a waste of my time. But we see the... Uh, reluctance that Jonah presented because of the magnitude of the calling the Lord had placed on him. Because this was a big calling for him to be able to go somewhere to stop destruction from coming to a city that was destined for it because of the action that these people were causing. There was a lot of weight to the calling. So when I think about, we're going back talking about the weight of us stepping into this, this new season of the church and stepping into this new position to where you know, we are, are, are going to be the senior leaders for me and Amanda, even like the t- uh, the transition team itself. It's like there is a weight that it feels like that we're carrying. And it's like it's so easy for us to want to be able to run away from it because there's a lot that comes with it. There's going to be things that we're going to have to deal with uh, with people that are coming forth that's going to hurt us. There's going to be people that are going to come with problems that we're not going to know how to uh, understand like really understand or truly grasp and try to help them. There's going to be things where uh, – we're going to try different, try different things, cast different visions and, and go for it. And we're going to fail. And that's scary because failure is not fun. It doesn't feel good. It, it, it's, I don't know about you, but it really doesn't build me up. <laughs> I'm like, man, all the gas that I had just left. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so now I got to go back to the drawing board. I got to start all over again. And that's a scary thought. Um, it is, it really is. And it's like, Thinking from example of even even making friends, it's like you can have a friend for so long, and then something happens where they go away. You put all this time and effort into making that friend. You put your heart into it. You put your soul into it. You put uh, you you build this relationship up because you know that it's something worth you know, putting your time into, the value that you give to it, and then something happens to take it away. And then it's like saying like, ah, now I got to make a new friend. But that's so hard. It's so hard because you know that you expended yourself so far. And now that you got to put that back in there, it gets scary because you don't want to get hurt again. And it's the same thing with stepping into this new responsibility. It's saying, like, I'm putting my heart out there for the greater of the people that are here. Not for myself because I want to see this. I want to see this, this church, us, not the building, but each and every single one of you that carry the church inside of you being taken to new lengths, new heights, new depths. And that's scary because each of you are different. So you're putting your heart out for so many different people. But, but we stop and say, God, am I making myself available for these people? Am I, am I able to do that? Even though I know this is scary. Even though I know that there's going to be times where I'm going to get hurt and people are going to walk away from me. People aren't going to agree with what I'm saying. Am I going to be able to do that? And even so, many times where I do want to run away and pull a Jonah and say, I don't, I don't know if I can carry this mantle. I say, you know what? Let me take the first step forward. Let me take this next step. And every step I get, each one of you grabs on, says, I'm carrying you. I take another step. Someone else grabs. Someone links up. Another step. Someone else grabs on, links up. And I see, not because of myself, but it's because you guys have faith in me. You might not in the future sometime. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it might go away. I'm not sure about that. I can only say for what I see now. 
And I know I'm going to get hurt, but guess what? I am prepared. I am prepared to lay down my life for the greater of you guys. And I can fully say that with a heart that's vulnerable and transparent right now. Because you guys are beyond worth it. You guys here are beyond worth it. The people out there are beyond worth it. Jesus laid down his life, so who am I? He answered the ultimate calling. He said yes to God when he knew that there was going to be death brought in the end. That he had to lay down his own life to sacrifice himself for the greater of everybody here. That we can be set free. So who am I to say no and run away from God when I should be standing here with the same boldness and the same strength to say, yes, God, I lay down my life for you because every single one of you is worth it. Come on now. Mm. I know I'm feeling it right now. As you can tell, good Lord. Praise him. That's right. All right. We sometimes go as far as Jonah did and run away completely. Reading farther down, we see that he planned his escape. He paid to get on the boat, and he was on his way to run, uh, run from God. Don't we know we can't outrun our father? That man faster than Usain Bolt on crack. Let me tell you, it's true. You, you can try to outrun God, but you're not going to. He'll catch up to you. He will. He, he, he's, he's like swiftly walking beside you, and you're running. He's like... Where you going? Come on. You know you can't get away from me. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. I love it. God's great. He's, so, he's hilarious. It's funny, though, because he he'll make a joke out of it because he know He's like, look how cute he is trying to do this right now. <laughs> uh, it's funny how when God, the Lord calls us to something great, how it changes things in such a great way. But when we do the opposite, it usually has an adverse effect. I believe because the very thing you were to uh, you were to do would counter the negative things that were supposed to happen, and like I think about that, it's like think of you think of like the story of like how Jonah had to go to Nineveh and stop the whole destruction. It's like it was it took him saying yes to that calling, even though if he would have said probably no long enough, he would God would have found somebody else. That's the thing that we have to understand too. God doesn't need us; He wants us which is a lot more powerful than him if he ever needed us, which is, is something amazing to actually think about. And that's something I actually do take to heart. It's like, man, God wanted me and called me and said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place my calling upon you to step into this position here. But it's up to you to say yes. You can keep saying no for so long that if you do, I'm going to find somebody else to put, be put in this position. It's not because I don't love you. It's because you just don't want to, you don't want to give me the time of day. And it's sad to say there's people that there's people that do that. There's people that could have been great pastors or great evangelists that just keep saying no because either they say, like I said earlier, they don't believe in themselves or they're afraid to, of that pain and that hurt. Get out of here, fly. <laughs> Sorry. Random moments. But it, it's true. It's like, it's like how many people... How many great warriors and great soldiers for this kingdom do we end up losing because we get our, our self gets in the way? And it goes back to that whole identity thing. It's like, how many times do we truly understand our identity and know that we are children of God? So we have, we share that same inheritance of Jesus and like the power that he bestowed, uh, had, he bestowed upon us to do greater things on this earth. It's like, how many times do we forget that? 
How many times do we take that for granted? For granted? How many times do we look at that and say, I don't, I don't feel very powerful. As a matter of fact, I feel overlooked. I feel undervalued. I don't feel like people believe in me. And that's like, that's not just you. That's a lot of stuff with the enemy that wants to put in your mind too. Because he know, like, it's funny because when you start to understand the strength that you have, the enemy also knows the strength that you have. And I feel like the enemy is going to try to do anything to dissuade you. They're going to they're gonna put anything in your mind. Because this thing right here, up here, that's that playground. That's that battleground. That's where they're going to put these words in there. And like, if you believe these words before, like a lot of stuff that maybe come from your past and these things are jumbling around in there. And it's like, it's the same, he'll use the same stuff that you used to hear before that dissuaded you from uh, moving forward and being successful. He'll use those same words and it will bring back those memories. It'll bring back that pain and that pain to keep you crippled in a place to where you're saying, I can't move forward. So being able to say yes is not in your vocabulary. It's no, or it's like, I just can't right now. It's intense, isn't it? It's, it's true, though. Ask me how I know. Because I've been there. I got some experience. Don't worry. I'm not just, it's not just empty. <laughs> Especially if you hear my story. Like, I, I, I did go through. I've been through a lot. And it's like, I'm still, I'm still overcoming a lot and stepping into my identity. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be a lifelong thing. But that's, guess what? The more that I step into it, the more powerful I become. The more I can stand in here with confidence and say like yes to say yes to God, and I'm I'm gonna preach this word, and I'm gonna send it straight forth. It's like Lord, you know what? You, you said the parable of a, it's gonna fall on good ground. It's gonna fall on you know thorny soil. It's gonna fall on uh, the wayside. But guess what? It's for me to focus on what you want me to do. You're gonna handle the rest. You're gonna get to see where it needs to go. Even though Jonah drug his feet, uh, there became a time where he just sucked it up and went. He didn't ultimately abandon the call, but he did go through a lot by wanting to just do it his way. That's another thing, too. It's like when we get to understanding the calling of God, it's like we start to critique it. We're like, "Uh, God, I want to do it this way. I kind of think it's better this way. And it's like we get to this idea is like, oh, we can make what God, the ultimate, the ultimate creator of the world, what he wants us to do, we can make it better. And that's a lie. <laughs> because who are we to say the person that made all things perfect, all things great? Um, it's like he said, but the creator of the earth that made this, this beautiful masterpiece, that made all you beautiful people out here, to say that we could do it better than him. You know, we can't. He has his ultimate plan. He knows exactly where it's going to go. He knows the ups and downs, of the, the mountaintops, the valleys that you're going to have to go through to make this successful. And it's like when we start to start to take things out of it, saying like, oh, I don't want to have to go through this struggle. Uh, well, that takes a, a value out of it. I don't want to have to go through this. Oh, well, this is going to make this plan turn out way different than it's supposed to. And it's not going to be exactly like it's supposed to. And the perfection that comes from it, from us following the way that God wants is that it's going to be exactly how it's supposed to be. Things can change. It's funny because uh, a lot of things can end up uh, changing over the course too. Like, it took getting swallowed by a fish and coming to a sense to understand that the goodness of the Lord wasn't just satisfy him, but to bring mercy to those who suffer. In this case, it was the whole city of Nineveh, which was going to be destroyed if they didn't turn their hearts away from the destructive life they were living. 
But the word reaches the king, and he allowed repentance to enter in and to save the city. We can see the importance of answering the call and not saying no or being too busy. Because that word you might have might just be the saving grace someone needs to find healing, to turn away from drugs and alcohol, to change their mind about suicide. And I think about this, and it's like, if, if I continue to say no, how selfish am I? Because I'm not truly thinking about the impact it's going to have on anybody else's life. That person that might say, be thinking about that day that, oh, I want to end my life because I don't feel like I, I have any, any worth or value or, or self-appreciation. Maybe God's telling you to say, I want you to go over to this person's house, knock under the door, and just to tell them they, I love you. Maybe it's that one thing that they need to hear to change their mind from leading themselves into the, a place of, of, of self-destruction. Maybe it's that person that's using drugs that don't know how to get off of them. That's saying, I don't know how to, I, I just don't know what to do. I'm at a place to where I'm ready just to give up. And like they're on their way to get the drug again. But they just need someone to reach out to them and say, I care about you. I'm here for you. I want to take you, I, I want to I want to help you find a place to, to, to get healed, to find healing. Not, and I'm not, hear me out. I'm not saying to force them into it, but just to be there as someone to give them fellowship, companionship, show them compassion. Maybe it's something that they never seen before or received from anybody. Because coming from my own place, when you're in that lifestyle, Nobody is, nobody really looks at you the same as everybody else. You're just a doormat where people want to trample on. And it's true. And, and maybe that's just my whole sense of what I feel, but it is true. You don't feel like anybody cares about you. Nobody gives you compassion. People are against you because look at this guy. He's such a failure. Can't get off of this. Why are you doing drugs? Can't you just stop doing it? Can't you just get away from this? Can't you stop drinking? What's wrong with you? But that one person's like, maybe they're right. And then you're just looking for that one person to say, no, they're not right. I see something different. And it's like Teen Challenge was here last week. You've seen that with the, the, man, uh, the man that was sitting there. How he didn't, he didn't. He was going through a lot of stress and, and stuff, and he didn't know what was going to happen with his life. But God ultimately changed him, and he had people to come in and help him. You see it in my life to see where I'm at now that I had people to say, there's a place for you where people love you and accept you and help you find change, help you know what love is, something that I never knew before, that I could never grasp because I didn't know what the idea of love was, that I didn't know where, where this, this feeling of, of generosity and gratitude were inside of me or this place of, of peace and rest and comfort. But someone says, come. And I believe it was the voice of Jesus saying, come. The weary, heavy laden, he wanted my burden. And it's funny, like, when I got to that place to where I was to surrender, he gave me that peace. When I said yes to wanting to change, when I said I'm available for you, God, to, to become better, I didn't know it was going to entail me standing up here today. I didn't know it was entailing me to get to a place to where I can help bring change to people that need it. 
I never knew that. And like hearing that song earlier, Oceans, I remember clear as day going through this whole recovery process, standing at a bus stop, just like listening to that song and just like not really understanding what the words meant, but feeling it in my spirit to know that God was calling me. Maybe not at that time, but he was preparing me for, he was preparing me for the phone call that we were going to have together where he's going to say, I want you to step in. Are you ready to, or are you ready to step into this position that I have set uh, before you? He's like, I'm a, and it's funny because like, he'll let you know that he's like, get ready because you're going to go through this whole ride. You're going to sit, you're going to sit through some of the most uh, uncomfortable stuff you ever had before. And you're going to deal with a lot of pain that you never did before. And that's another thing you ask if you're ready for. Are you available to do that? You know, and that's the hardest one to say yes to. But nobody wants to say yes to going through pain. Nobody wants to say yes to going through, uh, going through trials and tribulations, whatever those uh, Christianese words are. <laughs> All the valleys and stuff. <laughs> But it's true. It's like, no, it was, and it's funny because actually, it's actually funny that I say that I was a weirdo when I was in teen challenge, when there's times when he would bring upon them change that there's times where I I would seek out change and I knew it was going to be hard. I would say, yes, come on, bring on more. I'm like, yes, Lord, I need it. Cause I, I, it was funny cause I actually look back and I would see the areas of change that he showed in my life. And I was like, I was so excited. And I was like, I'm willing to go through it. But I'm not going to lie to you. I complained when I was in it. I was like, Lord, take this. I'm like, this is crazy right now. This is hard. I was like, I don't know why I asked for this. Because, like, it's funny because he does remind me. He says, you asked for this. You know that, right? And I'm like, I'm, I'm an idiot. It's just like praying for patience. Oh, you're going to find out. You're going you're gonna to find out what patience is. That's oh, funny. I'll tell you. All right, so now we can actually look at a good example of being available. This is one man who loved the Lord and was after his own heart. Even through just serving and remaining obedient, became one of the greatest kings in history. You know who it is. David, yes. I love this story of David because he, you can see how his heart was in the beginning as a youth. He had this heart to serve and like going into uh, going into First Samuel, I think chapter sixteen, which is seventeen through twenty-three, you see in the beginning where Saul ends up getting uh, taken over by a, a spirit of torment, and he had to bring in somebody to play the lyre. So he chose David, and it's cool because I'm, I'm getting ready to read the scripture in a second. But it's cool because you see how. God chose David to serve the king, but his heart, uh, his heart to serve was there, and he said yes. But also God used something that he loved to do, which was play music, to be able to serve as well, because he knew his heart was after him. So let's go ahead and read. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who could play well and bring him to me. One of the young men answered, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, not me, and a man of good presence, <laughs> and the Lord is with him. Therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, uh, sent them by David 
his son to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. And whenever the harmful spirit of God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and a harmful spirit departed from him. And you can see, it's cool how David, so ready to serve, and his heart to serve was there. Like, any time that spirit came out, he had so much compassion for Saul. Even though he probably did, really didn't know the man, he just knew he was the king. He, he said, I want to help make sure this guy uh, was in his right mind. And whatever words he probably used, he's like, I want to make sure that he is well. So he played when he played, but he, I believe he also loved what he did. First, we read that David was called upon to serve the king. But I don't have to read this because I just pretty much talked about it. So we're going to go into the next thing. I know I'm all but we can go next. We're just going to jump right into the next scripture, which is a little bit longer. So forgive me for messing up on reading. But I'll paraphrase some of this and just go. Uh, it'll be 1 Samuel 17, 16 through 40 and 42 through 49. You don't have to put that up there. They can read it if they want. But we can see how... Um, you see, David made himself available even for the smallest things. So when in between him playing, he would have to go back and tend his sheep. So he would he would still keep that servant's heart to want to make sure everything is right at home. He didn't leave his family and all of them, you know, to fend for himself, but his heart was there. It was what he knew to be a shepherd. So he took care of the sheep, and uh, his dad came to him. And this is like where I believe uh, that God called like called to him, even though David probably didn't know it at the time that it was the Lord calling him forth to, to step into what's going to happen next. He used the small events like this to be able to be a servant, such as his, his dad gave him bread. He gave him a bunch of stuff to take to his brothers and other people, uh, the commanders of the Israel army, to, to be able to have some nourishment and stuff for the battle. So David was... Uh, he made himself available to go. You know, his his heart wasn't, you know, oh, I'm going to go up there and just, like, show them all up and be the better warrior than everybody. No, that wasn't him. It wasn't him at all. He he went, and he was like, here you go. Here's this. And then he seen that everybody was running away from the battle, and ultimately he was like, he's like, doesn't he know this is the the army of, the, you know, the living God? You know, this is Israel. And that's, like I said, I'm going to paraphrase it. But, um. His brother even stopped and says, what wickedness do you have in your heart to come in and say this? You know, what is, you know, what is your motive from actually being here? And David's motive wasn't at all to go face, uh, face Goliath. And I believe it says, uh, so he, what, this is what David said. What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that takes away uh, Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him in the same way. Shall it be done that the man, uh, shall it be done to the man who kills him? Now Elab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the uh, men, and Elab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with, uh, with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him 
toward another, and he spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And, Dave, uh, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he, had, he has been a man of war. Uh, wait. Sorry, I ever skipped it. Oh, yeah. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there come a lion or a bear and took a, uh, a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him or delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. So even though, so even though his brother was saying this stuff against him, he, David didn't use that stuff as a deterrent um, to stop him from being a servant leader. He did the small things first off because that he knew that he was, that even doing so, it was pleasing to the Lord. So when his father asked him to bring this stuff to, uh, for nourishment, he didn't hesitate. And when David Say, knew that uh, this was his calling at the time when he had to be a servant. Uh, the Lord brought him to a place to defeat the Philistine. But the thing is, there was there are people who wanted to deny him because of his age. His own brother said, who tends to sheep if you're away? So there's going to be times like when you step into the call and answer to yes, there's going to be people that are going to come against you and say, shouldn't you be doing this instead? Shouldn't you be taking care of your family rather than stopping everything to go serve the Lord and do this? And even so, it's like there's people in my life that when they said when I become a pastor, it's like, like, how are you able to do this? Shouldn't you be doing something else? You're focusing all your time on this. And sometimes I, ha like, I don't spend enough time with my family when I, when I should. And I can't really necessarily make the excuse because I'm trying to become this. But I don't – I do it because there's a lot of deterrent in the way of the spirit – they're not very spiritual. They're not very godly people. And they don't look at this stuff the same way as me. And it's like when I'm around them, there's a lot of complaining and stuff. And there's a lot of talking about this person's doing this or this person's doing that. And I don't want to get it into my spirit and say, like, I, I'm going to start looking at them like this. So I have to step away and keep away for a, a, a period of time. But I do, I do periodically go and check in and stuff. But even so, um, as David was getting told by his brothers saying, you know, you should be out more. You should be tending the sheep. Nobody's there tending them. He asked him like, who's there with the sheep to make it seem like that was his only job. And it's like, there's going to be people to think that just because, just because you were a drug addict before, just because you, you know, you were, uh, maybe in a bike gang or something doing something crazy that you don't have the ability to step into the place to where the Lord can use you for something greater. And I'm here to tell you that's false. Who can tell you what the Lord calls you into? Who can tell you how to answer? Who can tell you but yourself? Who can make you available and ready but the Lord? And it's funny because the same thing like how we try to critique that calling and try to uh, critique that availability and how it's going to look in the end. The people are going to come along and say, well, 
I see your heart for this ministry, and I'm with you, but we're going to change this up. We're going to change that up. We're going to do this and do that, because I, I think that I have a better view of it than, you know, how you do and how God is. Like, all along, you're getting downloaded the vision. You're the one that's getting downloaded the dream. And it's like, I believe those type of people, you don't necessarily need to cast them away from you when building but you need to present to them saying, like, this is what the Lord said, and this is how the Lord feels. And like, you keep steady with the Lord and what he wants. It's not going with what the people want, but you you stay steadfast in your faith that the Lord's going to make right the path. And it's like you follow that path. It's like when everybody else starts shoveling out different different courses around it or, you know, thinking that they can make shortcuts to get to the, the area faster, you say, no, I'm going to walk steady into this area and go through whatever I have to go through to get to it. It's like either you're going to be with me or you're going to be against me. And then the people that are going to be there and say like, oh, I, I have faith in it. Sorry, I didn't mean to intrude. Like, I believe God's going to do what he said he's going to do or going to be there with you to lead up with you. And that's why I'm grateful for the team that I have uh, between Mike and Tat and Rob and Lisa. You know, they're they're the perfect ones that are there that aren't, aren't the ones that are going to critique and say, we can do this better. But we're all centered to way, the way that the Lord had wants for us the path that he's driven out for us. We're all walking that path and we see it the same way. We're not trying to see it. And it's like, oh, we're going to do it in our strength. We're not going to build this church up in our strength. No, we're following what the Lord has in the vision that he's placed inside of us. We're, we're following what the spirit is calling us into. And we're, we're, uh, we're believing in that guidance that we're going to get to the place that we need to just because they're uh, the spirit, well, there, yeah, the, the Godhead is providing that outcome. And we see it, and we see the glory that's coming, and our yes is our yes, and we we understand it's like, yeah, back to that difficult thing. Oh, man. But because David ultimately followed in the way that the Lord has called for him, and he didn't listen to his brothers, and he didn't listen, or he didn't keep that armor on that Saul tried to give him to fight in the way that he wanted him to, he ultimately goes out and he defeats Goliath. That's because the Lord had directed him all the way. He didn't use a sword. He didn't take a shield. He didn't even need armor. He stepped out. He picked up rocks. He listened to what God said. And ultimately, he came out victorious. Like that last song is like, the victory is yours. It's like ultimately, like, the more that we follow him, the victory is always going to be his. So the two examples shown the obedience levels of two men, but it shows the nature of how we truly are. Do you want to be Jonah and run away? Or do you want to be David and be willing to do the smallest task? Each displayed their level of availability. And the outcome for being available only shows that there can only be great things that transpire, uh, transpires from it. So I want you guys like to, to stop and just to think, and I'm not, I don't want to do this to make you, you feel shameful or anything, but like think of the times like there's there could have been availability that maybe you didn't you didn't go for, you didn't say yes to. And things that stopped you, that hindered you from getting there. I do this because of the awareness, just to give you awareness of things that will come against you from answering the call of the Lord from answering and being available when you need to be. Don't beat yourself up over it. It's already done. The past is the past. And it's like what we do to move forward is what counts. 
and how we strive to just to be better. That's all that matters and to continue growth to please the Lord in all we do. So we answer the call of the Lord, uh, the call of the Lord and be available next time. That's the biggest thing. And it's cool because like I love when I get messages like this because I can stop and actually think when stuff arises, it's like, I can remember, it's like, okay, now I'm aware that the Lord has called me into doing this. It's like, I can think of the uh, the things that are going to hinder me. I can think of the, uh, the pros and the cons of it. But remember, when you know it's God is calling, uh, calling you into it, the pros always outweigh the cons every single time. And it's like, and then you can think, it's like, man, what like the greatness that's going to come from this is going to be something more than I can actually put my mind around. And it's like, why not just say yes? If you're going to take risk in your life, if you're going to take risk in, in, in playing stocks or, uh, or going for a job interview, why can't you just take a risk and say yes to the Lord? I mean, what can happen that's so bad? I mean, you might get martyred, but don't take that from me. I'm not saying that. <laughs> you might get martyred, but probably not here in America. And I, I hope not anywhere else either. I'm not putting that on you. I'm not, I'm not putting that in the air. We're not, we're not going to have to go through that. But if you're called to do that, I mean, bless you. Yeah, bless you because that's, man, that's a, that's a heavy, that is a heavy burden. But, like, again, Jesus knew it. Jesus knew what it meant. And it's that laying down your life for his sake. Amen. So I'm, I'm keeping in the high standards like, God, thank you so much for, for, being, uh, for being there for me and just continue to build me up and grow me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening to me. Amen. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the yes it is but i i just you know what i mean and if you know what i mean if you i need criticism too so if i if there's anything that you guys have questions about or disagree with please it it, it might deflate me a little bit but guess what I, it's going to help build me up in the end i am not afraid of criticism i want to grow and be better for you guys okay I'm here to serve. I, I'm not here to be uh, the head honcho, leader of all. No, I want to be like I want to be like David, and I want to be that servant leader. Like I want to be that hands and feet, and and just be there for you guys, whatever you need. You know, what I mean, that's my heart for you. It's, it's it's just to do what you guys need me to do. It's like it's because I love you guys for real, and I, I I want the best for everybody here. But then again, I got to be malleable to be able to do whatever you know. So thank you guys, for real, thank you so much for your loving kindness. So Father God, I, I today just thank you, Lord, for the hearts that you have given the people here to say yes to you, first off, to coming into you, Lord, to saying yes to your son and accepting your son. That is the biggest yes that we can give because that means we have faith in him and who he was and the power that he holds, Lord, and know that you are overall, Father, that you control everything, and we just give that to you, Father. God, just continue to build in us our identity, to, uh, to unravel that, 
continuously, Father, that we can understand who we are in you. God, we know who you are, but let us know who we are more and more. That we can grasp hold of that and, 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 and take power, strength, boldness, confidence, all of that. So when we, have, we are faced with the opportunity to say, yes, God, we don't hesitate to step into that with full power and full authority and claim it. God, and I brush off any, any shame that we might have for saying no before. God, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that we said no before. You, you, you said, look past that. I see your heart for me. Now it's time to move forward. There's going to be opportunities you're going to be faced with. He said, there's opportunities that I'm going to present to you. Maybe this coming week for you to have an opportunity to say yes. Look out for it. It's because I'm doing it because he says I'm doing it because I love you. I'm doing it because I believe in you. I just want you to believe in yourself. And Lord, I just ask that you just continue to reveal to us that, that self-worth and that value. And it doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, what our job occupation is, uh, our level of education. You said none of that matters. None of it matters. You provide all things, God. You provide the wisdom to execute perfectly. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Glory to your name, Jesus. Amen.